for the Court Podcast! Welcome back to another edition of Par for the Court Podcast, presented by Sylvester Stallone. Hey, yo, you want to act and done right or whatever? I don't know, call my agent or something. You heard it here first, folks. Call his agent, all right? You want any acting or something, you know. All right, so there's there's been a lot of lot going on in the NBA landscape uh, since we've last talked, and uh, the Boston Celtics, Cole, what are we thinking? I mean, are they something to be taken seriously? I mean, the way they're playing lately, I think so, yeah. So, um, I mean, me, you know my take on the Celtics. I'm not a big fan, and everyone's talking, oh, Celtics, finals contenders? I'm like, uh, no. Yeah. But um, I've been doing a, I've been doing a deep dive uh, into the Celtics' legitimacy. So since February first, they are tied for the best re- no tied for most wins. There, but they have the best record in the league. Yep. Um, thirteen and two. Since February, they've played three non-playing teams. This is not including the Nets. However, we all saw what happened in that game. Um, three non-playing teams they've played are the 76ers, Nuggets. And Grizzlies. How'd they do in those games, Cole? Nuggets, they beat by six. Uh, Nikola Jokic had 23, 11, and 16. He shot nine for 22. Um, the Grizzlies, they beat by 13. John Morant had 39 points but shot 13 for 29. One of the hottest teams in the league, by the way, so that's a great win. Exactly. And the 76ers, they beat by 48 points. Embiid shot three for nine. Um, that was that was, that was the game that Harden wasn't playing, correct? Yeah, Harden did not play in that okay, game. Okay, so I'm not going to take I'll take that with a grain of salt, but um, yeah. Now, since February 1st, the Celtics have the number one defense in the league. Yep, and they are seventh in offensive rating. Uh, their all their shooting stats have been pretty middle of the pack. Um, so what is the difference in the Celtics we saw at the beginning of the year to the to now? Well. For one thing, they're just playing like playing as one on defense. You're seeing good rotations, good communication skills, and great game plans. But aside from all that, every single guy that gets minutes is a good defender, straight up. You got Tatum, Smart, Horford, the Time Lord, Derek White, the human bowling ball, Grant Williams, uh, friend of a friend of the podcast, Aaron Neesmith. Oh, yeah? Um, and uh, Peyton Pritchard. I mean, every single one of guys... Every single one of those guys have one have all this in common. They're willing, energetic, scrappy defenders. With this personnel, it would be a red flag if they didn't I think have an elite defense. Also, the biggest key to defense, they all just give a fuck. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm I saying. That's like, it. It's like the opposite of the Lakers. It's crazy. If you watch every possession, everyone's locked in. And it's, I mean, yeah. That you we I don't know, we might see drop off in that. We might not, but I mean Watching a lot of Celtics film in preparation for this, it's it's really fun to watch them play defense. Well, and I think the biggest – I've said this a lot, maybe not on this podcast, but just in general. I think the biggest key to being able to win in the NBA is versatility. And it's either, one, having your primary style of play be unbeatable, i.e., you know, the Splash Brother Warriors or just having LeBron on your team. I think those two – in the past five years has been the most unbeatable things in the league or versatility, like I said, and just being able to have switchable lineups, having a great um, big lineup, a great small lineup, and just guys out there, you know, that just play well together and fit. Yeah, it's so unique, their lineups. I mean, 
the five that probably plays the most of their whole entire team, Smart, Tatum Brown, Time Lord, and Horford. Yep. Those are five guys that can guard almost every single position on the court. But I think defensively their biggest advantage is Time Lord and Horford. Yep. Those are two long defenders that are quick as shit for yeah, their I mean, size. You watch, the, you watch the Brooklyn game they played this weekend. So many guys they can throw at Durant. There's, there's guys you can throw at Durant one, and just getting to the rim against them is just impossible. You know, the perimeter guys are making it hard to get there. You do get there. You run into Al Horford and Robert Williams at the rim. Like, you're not – they don't. They didn't get one clean shot off at the rim. Yeah, but I don't know about you, but I was appalled at the lineups the Nets were throwing out there. And they – I'm like, they made it easy on the Celtics to guard them. So, there was so – they three, were playing Claxton and Drummond on, this, on the court together. Three-point guards aren't good? No, but they were playing – Claxton and Drummond together at some points. I mean, it was nuts. Well, I think that's the thing, though, Cole. Like, you try and combat, like, okay, they've got two bigs out there. We're going to do our thing and throw two bigs out there. But it's not the same thing. Difference is, Time Lord's not a post-up threat. So you only really have to have one guy that can guard the post. A little bit to worry about Al Horford, even though that's not going to be their main offense. But you cannot have, with the Celtics lineup, like you said, that's impenetrable. There's always people at the rim. You can't have two guys that can't shoot. There has to be a maximum of one. And at all times, you had either Johnson and Claxton, Johnson and Drummond, or um, Claxton and Drummond, but or sometimes LaMarcus would be the biggest guy. But yeah. he's unplayable defensively. Very so, true. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like what I saw from there. I thought it was kind of the Celtics – Matched up really well with them. Um, yeah, and I think you'll just, like I again said, speaking to the versatility, I think they'll be able to match up with a lot of teams. Just having that big lineup and bodies they can throw it. The stars of the East, like Joel Embiid and, and Giannis, and, um, you know, playing against some of the better teams in the East, like the Heat, they have that, that lineup versatility to play big against them and match up with them, and that's something people have not been able to do. Yeah. They're easily the most – I did say it was the Heat, but I have now changed my mind. The Celtics are easily the most versatile defensive team in the East right now. And I will now say the Celtics defensively are the most scary in the playoffs as far as matchups goes. They have guys for every single Eastern Conference star that you have to worry about. Um, but the one thing I want to bring up is – Every single year, there's always a stretch where everyone's like, oh, Celtics, looking pretty good. Are they going to make noise in the playoffs? And yeah. everyone hypes them up. You got the storied franchise. The, I mean, media bias towards the Celtics because it's one of the biggest teams in the NBA history. It's it's very clear there is some. And every year, they do their best to hype them up, how many, how many national TV games they have. But how confident are you about them in a playoff series offensively? I mean, how sustainable how sustainable is this? Well, I think the the sustainability factor for them is one. Jason Tatum's not going to score fifty six every game, mm-hmm. and you know they're obviously their defense is great, but are they going to be able to score with um, Horford and Williams on the floor? Obviously, Horford's playing great right now, but he's an older player, and how how long is he going to be able to play like this at this age? Yeah, I was thinking then, about that a lot. 
you know, um, Tatum and Brown obviously have not always meshed well together. Right now they are, and it's it's you always feel great when you're winning, and problems seem so minimal. But what happens when they lose three games in a row, or they go up and do a very tough schedule? Then where do they go from there? Yeah, I feel like. I mean, the NBA is a league of extreme highs and extreme lows. Yeah. And there have been so many points this year where everyone's like, oh, I mean, this team's obviously going to win the finals. Oh, this team yeah, is the worst like, team in the league. Yeah. They're not going to win anything. Oh, my gosh. Now they're great. Oh, now they're awful. Yeah. And the Celtics right now are like all the talking heads' favorite teams. Oh, well, you got to look at the, you got to watch out for the Celtics. Got to watch out for the Celtics. It's like what we've, what we've seen before February. Doesn't matter, but we all know it's best to peak at this time of year because you roll into the playoffs hot, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, Jason Tatum's the king of five for twenty-four games. Yep, and you know, right now he's getting up a lot of shots and they're going in, and that's great. But what happens when they're not going in? How does that help? How does he fare with that? And then also, how do his teammates react to that? And you know, where do they go? What happens when he does have an off night? Does Jalen Brown pick up all the slack? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, you know, obviously their defense is great, like like we've been saying, but when Tatum's offensive production falls off, I feel like their whole team's production falls off. I don't know how you feel about that. I 100% agree. I mean, Tatum is the focal point, and they're very, very, very lucky, as everyone's talked about, to have two guys so elite as Brown and Tatum very similar play styles, which is why it's so controversial whether or not to keep them together these past few years. Yeah. Um, and they are lucky in the fact that you, I mean, usually one of them has a good night. It's very rare that they don't. Right. And in the come playoff time, it's very, very, very hard to have two guys suitable to guard both those guys. But I think in the playoffs, the, the game plans are up to 10 degrees, you know? Yeah. And I think it's like, you look at the Celtics, it's like you stop Tatum and Brown. What's their next best scoring option? Seriously. Smart. And you know Smart likes to get him up in the playoffs. Marcus Smart will get him up. If, like, But like that's what teams are going to do. They're going to be like, all right, if we lose to the Celtics, it's not going to be Tatum and Brown. We're going to make Marcus Smart beat us. And there's nothing Marcus Smart wants more than to try and take over a game and win a game. And he's just not capable of do, doing that. He's proven it time and time again. Actually, he's proven time and time again that he can blow games exactly by putting up numbers. I feel like every single time the playoffs, Smart has a good game, they end up just losing. Good, like I remember, good Marcus Smart games are bad Boston Celtics games. I think against the Heat, he had like 36 and they lost um, one game. And that was when uh, Tatum and Brown were having bad games. So we were, we were doing a good job against them. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, but you're also seeing every single one of their role players just on fire. Yeah, that's the other thing. Like, Grant Williams' three-point percentage is off the charts right now. Like, how long does that sustain? Exactly. And then how long does how long does Robert Williams continue to play like this of just being a rim-protecting monster and finishing everything at the rim and things like that? And just, like, how long does this last? Yeah. Um, so... I want to go back to some Al Horford talk. Okay. Now, this guy, he's uh, he's, he's getting up there in age. Yes, he uh, is. What is he, 35? Sounds right. I feel like you looked that up. So, this is a guy. Go ahead, though. Who, 35 years old. Oh, did you get that right? Did you guess that right? That's right. Okay. He 
is playing lights out defensively. He is giving it 100% every single night, every single possession, and he's also not missing open threes at all. And he's one of their anchors on the defense. He's, he's a big reason they're gonna, they're able to play Williams out there. I have a hard time believing he's going to be able to keep this up for the playoffs. And I just – I don't know about you, but I'm not at all saying they're contenders until I see them in a playoff series. So what do you think? Playoffs. Well, it's, are, it's, they, are they contenders? No, this is the question. Are they contenders? You look at them right now, you can say, yeah, they're contenders. But, you I mean – just following the trends of them throughout the years of Tatum's inconsistent play. There's just constantly drama. You know, right now it's like, okay, Azubuka has it figured out as a coach, but like... Do you mean Udoka? Yeah. Azubuke? What's his last name? Ime Udoka. Why did I say... That was racist. Racist alert. All right. <laughs> okay. Other thing I do want to point out. That's the Kansas player. Why did I get that mixed up? <laughs> All right. Other thing that I do want to point out is, like I said earlier, they played over this big win streak. Three teams that are non, non-play-in or worse. Yeah. Three teams. Is that something to look out for? It has to be. Other thing is they are... 24th in clutch rating. You know what that means? I do know what that means. For the listeners, that means they are not good during the clutch. I repeat, not good. They are, in fact, worse than over half the league. The Wizards are way better than them in the clutch. Really? That's right. The good old Wizards. Even after that 50-point give up to the Clippers? That's right. I mean, that's another thing to look out for. Clutch time offense, everything slows down. Everyone's just going to be watching Tatum and Brown try an ISO, more so Tatum than Brown, as you know. Yeah. So is that sustainable in the playoffs? Because we know a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of close games in the playoffs. There are. That's right. And, okay, so as of right now, if the playoffs were to start today, we would have a Celtics-Bulls matchup. Two teams notoriously not great at playing good teams. Exactly. This year. Well, no. The the Celtics, over the stretch, they played three good teams, and they showed up and performed well in all of them. So I'm not going to say that yet. Are we counting Hardenless Sixers as a great team? No, I'm chalking that one up to a bad night. Right before the All-Star break? I mean, I'm chalking that up. When, that one is a bad night. Okay. Embiid was three for nine, and he played 26 minutes. Who wants to play the day, the day before All-Star break? That's facts. There's always one team that comes out. It's like it's the 8 a.m. game on a Sunday, consolation bracket for an AU tournament. That's what that's what day before All-Star break is. It's one team that's like, all right, let's go. That's when all the scrubs decide they're going to like have all their highlight reel material on exactly. that game. Exactly. Yeah. Um, if it were to be Bulls Celtics, I'm going to be honest. I do have the I do have the Celtics in that one. But yeah, I think that's definitely their most favorable matchup. If you look through. The East. I mean, the Bulls, another thing is the Bulls have literally, I don't think they've beaten a team that's in the playoffs one time. No, they they beat the teams that they're supposed to beat and then against the upper echelon teams, they just can't. Yeah, but they're they're new and they're star-sided, so everyone wants to talk about them. Well, I mean, granted, they've they've lost their two best 
perimeter defenders and Caruso and Ball. This is before that, though. They obviously, the, the stats have worsened since they've been out. And then yeah, they've, of course. They've been without Patrick Williams all year. So. I don't want to toot my own horn, but I did predict they were going to be sliding. Okay, congrats, dude. <laughs> Ball and Caruso still aren't back. Neither is Patrick Williams. So let's wait on that. Okay. Stay yeah. tuned. Um, but, I mean, if bringing those guys back, I think these are very two very similar teams with two dominant scoring guards, Levine DeRozan, Tatum Brown. Very different in the front court, though. Very different front courts, yeah. I think the Bulls are a lot smaller, but and a lot worse at defense. Yeah, that's true too. But I mean, I it's, think that I would it's argue two primary scorers and then defenders around them with simpler roles is pretty much. I would argue the Celtics' saying. front court is their biggest advantage defensively. Um, yeah, but yeah, rim protection. Okay, now I will be going through the top seven teams, my power rankings in the East. This excluding the Celtics. Oh, thanks for letting me know we were doing this. And I want to ask you who you think is better, better, this team or the Celtics. All right. First off, Brooklyn Nets. Now, we saw them play the Nets, as we all talked about, but no Ben Simmons. And wait, did is Kyrie this? play that game? Kyrie did play. Kyrie, yeah, I'm tripping. Kyrie had the whole way famous. You job well in, Mo. I am well in. All right, go on. So the what's the question again? Can you repeat the question? I'm gonna go through my like excluding the Celtics playoff, playoff matchups or right now, better team. Who I think you will take be. that as take that as you you can take it in direction. Better team. All right, let's I'm gonna let's list, go I'm gonna, better team end of the season. Who do I think is winning a playoff series? So that's what okay, really, that's, that's what really matters. That's perfect. Celtics or Nets? Nets have Ben Simmons. I think it's the Nets. I 100 percent agree. I've been me and you have been two very high level supporters of the Nets, and it's just yeah. When they get Simmons, I think they'll they'll go in a big. And as we all know, playoff playoff time comes, lineups shorten. We're not. I could guarantee we're not going to see Claxton and Drummond in at the same time. Wait, what? That's right. I don't think Claxton and Drummond are both going to be getting a lot of minutes. I don't think together Claxton should play. I don't either. Either actually, Um, I think. All his minutes should be Lamarcus, and they just try their best. I think to it should be Lamarcus and Andre to get Drummond at the five. Yeah, and then small ball Simmons, KD front court Fact. once in a while. I, you know what? Al Horford, Lamarcus Aldridge, one on ones for the series. I got, I got Lamarcus. Lamarcus and Horford. I think Lamarcus' offensive bags is that too the slowest? Big. Is that the slowest one on one game? Al NBA? Horford's not that slow. Al Ooh. Horford's looking spry, like we talked about. Al Horford's looking versatile defensively. However, I think Lamarcus's bag is just too deep. Maybe when he gets the ball, when he gets the ball, he's not giving it up. Maybe a possible drug test in order for Al Horford coming up. That he's, maybe is he something. should he should tone down the spryness if he's really on something. Definitely tone it tone down the spryness. Big all L, right. Big L, if you're listening, tone down the spryness. We all on. we all know you're taking PEDs. If you're on HGH, Big L, tone down the spryness a little bit. Right. right, we're on to you. I don't think it's I don't think it's green smoothies and uh, a lot of sleep. I think it might be uh, you know, a little couple, something, a something extra, in, a, in a syringe. A couple extra vaccines, maybe, <laughs> for Big L. All right, Adam Silver's watching though. Watch your next up. The Cleveland Cavaliers or the Boston Celtics. I gotta go Boston here. Yeah, I agree with that one. You know, just the Cavs. The Cavs have been sliding recently. They got a young team. They're hitting. 
They're hitting. They're hitting the rookie wall. Say, I don't want to say the rookie wall. No, they're yeah. collectively hitting the rookie wall. They're, all of them. I didn't want to call it the rookie wall because because some of them aren't rookies. The only rookie is Jared Allen, but I would say they're hitting. Jared the Allen's rookie. Who did I say? Uh, you, you know Evan Mobley. There you go. Evan Good I'm job. Very, I'm very tired. Wait, wait, wait. I remember the rookie of the year favorite's name. I'm very tired. But Alrighty. They're hitting the young team wall, and I think Boston is hitting their stride right now. Already talked about Going the Bulls. We both got Celtics, Milwaukee Bucks. This is a championship team. This is a team very deep. A lot of good players. I mean, I think it's got to be Milwaukee, right? It has to be Milwaukee. It if has you said to be. Celtics, I don't know. Philadelphia 76ers. This is a good question. Well, nobody nobody in the world can guard Joel Embiid. Yes, but Even collectively, I would I would bet they would be double teaming him every single time he gets in the post. Embiid doesn't care if there's a double team. He's still going to shoot the ball and he's that's, still going to That's a still that's a get that's a pretty elite double team in Time Lord and um, Horford, not to mention, I would bet, I would say they have the best backup big man defender in the league with Daniel Tice. Stop it. What do you mean? Daniel Tice just gets like molested every time he gets in the game. Molested, that's a big word. Just assaulted. <laughs> Completely assaulted. <laughs> Embiid is going to elbow Tice in the face. I didn't be- say he was an Embiid stopper. I said he's the best, like off the bench, big man defender. That's what I said. I don't. I didn't know that I was going to be persecuted for that. Does Daniel Gafford start for the Wizards? Yes, of course. I don't think he does. I think Porzingis starts. Porzingis starts the four. You know Porzingis likes to play the four. Porzingis is a power forward. How dare you put a seven foot two guy at center? The nerve of me. But let me. The nerve on you. Let me check this just so you can be wrong really quick. Yeah. Okay. Who starts? This is really good. This is really good podcasting. Just checking who's starting on the 11 seed well, Wizards. I real hate quick. the fact Porzingis doesn't want to start at center. You know this. Okay, starting at point guard Raul Neto, Howell Neto, shooting guard KCP, small forward Corey Kisburn, Corey Kyle Kisburn. Kuzma at power forward, Porzingis at center. Oh man! Coming off the bench, Daniel Gafford, okay. a way better defender than Daniel Theis. Okay, I I, I agree with on that Gosh. one. Gosh, you that one. Okay. Daniel Tice, best backup big in the league. Cole Park. I said backup big man defender. Okay. Cole, breaking news. Cole Park thinks Daniel Tice is the best backup big in the league. I didn't say that. Those were not my words. Everyone knows I said backup big defender. Daniel I'm gonna, Tice. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit Woj up and let him tweet. I have that a lot of respect right for him though. He had that one game winner uh, during the playoffs. You might be the only one with respect right. for Daniel Tice. Miami Heat or Boston Celtics. Um, you know, I just think the Heat have far more experience and far more want to win at this point in their careers. I think everybody down that line on that team, you know, Lowry, Lowry's the only one on that team with the championship, right? I feel like besides Haslam. Udonis Haslam and Kyle Besides Lowry. Haslam. And P.J. Tucker. And P.J. Tucker. That's right. So they've got guys. But they've, they've got, got a, guys that have been there before. They've got a plenty good, of guys that have been there. They've got a good mix of guys that know what it takes to win a title and want to win a title and have been there. That's right. So I think they're set for a postseason run that Boston is just not at all ready for. I don't think Tatum and Brown have the leadership to take them to that level yet. Yeah, I don't think anyone wants me to go on a big spree on this one because they all know how I feel. But I will also say we, we – I'm, I'm no, not – Go ahead. Go ahead. 
We played them before. We played them before. And since then, we've gotten much better. And we have retooled immensely. Breaking news. Breaking news. The Heat have gotten much better. It's true. I don't know if you saw, but uh, Odipo Day (coughs) was yesterday. I hate you. It was Depot Day yesterday. A 11 big, uh, points. Cole, National congrats. Holiday. His per 36 numbers were off the charts. He played 15 minutes. Clap it up for Victor Oladipo, everybody. Oladipo played 15 minutes, had 11 points, and what was it? Three assists, four assists. First play, the first play in a year that he's been in the NBA, he took a charge. The first play. He Double also had a really up. nice driving slam dunk where he drove right past Jay Sean Tate and slammed it Triple off one. Triple thumbs up. You are just disrespectful. Quadruple thumbs up for Victor Oladipo. Are you against Depot Day? Do you not celebrate? I just don't see how they're going to add another shooting guard into the mix. You know how easy it is to implement an elite player like Victor Oladipo? How does Kyle Guy feel about all this? Kyle Guy hasn't gotten minutes since like... How does Kyle Guy feel about all this? Kyle Guy hasn't gotten minutes since like Christmas. Irrelevant. How does he feel? He's very happy. Actually, there were actually a few tweets that went out last night about Kyle Guy's supportiveness and his Theo Pinson-esque cheering off the bench. His like- curls were were waving in the air at how energetic he was clapping and cheering for his boys. I would like to apologize to everyone's ears for Cole screaming when the heat come up. Um, you trigger me when you just start you know, throwing shots we might- at the heat. We might, Coming off a depot day. We might edit in a volume warning before uh Okay. Before Cole starts screaming, just so everybody doesn't hurt their eardrums. So funny. Victor Odipo, four for seven from the field, fifty-seven percent, two three point makes on three attempts. You had let's see. Oh yeah. A steal and how many assists? Four assists. Boom. In, again, 14 minutes and 38 seconds. Those per 36 numbers are crazy. Who are they playing? Elite young talent in the Houston Rockets. Okay, so they're playing the worst team in the league on a Monday. It's Depot Day. Okay. Depot Day. New national holiday, breaking news. Another breaking news from Cole. Depot Day. March, March 7th. Put it on your calendar, everybody. All right, let's switch gears and flop to the West Coast, Cole. Flop? I know something about flopping. Let's flop over to the West Coast. What do you know about flopping, huh? Uh, I don't know if you've seen me play against uh, Mount St. Joe, but I'm very good at flopping. Oh, okay. That's cool. That's right. Cole, I got a question for you. Is there worry to be had about the team in the Pacific Northwest, the Golden State Warriors? Is there worry to be had? One word? One syllable, yes. I was thinking it was the other one. No, no, no. I'm I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried. You are? Um, yeah. You know what the Warriors' record is past ten games? They're two and eight, Cole. They're two and eight. Dropped a spot. They're now third in the West. Half came back from the Grizzlies. It's possible. Dude, we could see them have the Jazz pass them somehow. Um. And I mean, they got a they got a very tough schedule coming up too. They got. Clippers, Denver, um, Milwaukee, and then the juggernaut Washington Wizards. Uh, and that'll be Draymond Day, Cole, March 14th. That's Draymond Day? Yeah, that's a tough That's a tough stretch before they get Draymond back. But 
Um, Draymond being back out since January 9th. I didn't know there was a Draymond Day set, actually. Yeah. That's good to hear. Breaking news. Well, it was out, it was then out last Then maybe night. I changed my answer to one word, one syllable, no. There isn't worry to be had. Well, there's still worry, and I don't think it's all because of... There's still worry, and it's not because of Draymond. I think Draymond coming back is a plus, but I think there's still a lot to figure out for the Warriors. But staying on staying on the topic of Draymond, um, and just his the hole that he left of him being out. The last 15 games for them have not been great. Um, offensive rating 11th, not terrible. Defensive rating they're 25th, so they've slid Jeez. slid a lot. Net rating of negative one in the past 15 games, and then. Um, from the start of the season to January 7th, Draymond's last game played in Cleveland, the offensive rating was 11th, so that didn't change much. But their defensive rating when Draymond is in is first place. Yeah, you also saw um, – I mean, we all know Steph's hasn't had his uh, best second half of the season shooting-wise. Not at um, all. And I think you can – that's um, – a lot of the reason is because Draymond has been out and he hasn't had his running mate. Yeah, I mean, Steph Curry in his last 10 games, uh, he's he's averaging 26 points a game, which is not awful, but without Draymond, you really do want to see that go up because, as we all know, you gotta Steph's going to have to carry no Draymond in the lineup. He's shooting 48% from the field, which is not abysmal. However, yeah. he's shooting three for on average three for nine from three a game, which is pretty abysmal. Well, again, I think this just shows how underrated – Draymond is as a basketball player. Well, I mean, I want to I want to rephrase that. He's underrated to low basketball IQ people. He's not at all underrated for high IQ players. Yeah, I mean, people talk about this all the time. The impact that Draymond has, but I mean, just I mean, the the years and years that Curry and Draymond have put on the court together, and just countless games of just them no Draymond knowing exactly where Curry wants the ball, and then Curry knowing exactly where Draymond's going to put up for him, and put him in the right place to shoot and get great great looks, and then. Also, just Draymond taking the majority of the load of facilitating and getting other guys shots. I mean, you think about it, Steph Curry really isn't a point guard. He's more of just, he's a shooting guard and, you know, he brings the ball up, but he's going to take the majority of the shots. And, you know, I think it's better for him to be off the ball, running around screens and things like that, and just having Draymond run the show. You know what the Warriors record is without Draymond in 2022? Bad. Or this season, rather? Bad, fifteen and sixteen. Yeah, that's not good. That's under five hundred for people that aren't good at math. That's they're forty three and twenty two overall, fifteen and sixteen with Draymond. Without Draymond, it's a high percentage of losses without high Draymond. percentage. Shut up. Nice podcasting voice, buddy. Thank you. I mean, if that's not high impact, I don't know what is. Guess what Draymond's plus minus is over this year. Plus. Plus 10. It's pretty good. That is, that's very good. That's, I mean, that tells you right there. Like, hey, that's decent, man. That's decent. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's astronomical. Um, yeah, so I would guess Draymond's going to be playing limited minutes, which he's not going to like when he gets back. Um, and I would guess that his first few games are still going to struggle. Well, I got a question for you on this Draymond return. Yeah. 
you know, when I brought it up to you, you didn't even know he was returning on the 14th. Do you I knew he had had his first practice, and I, I knew he was I, ramping I'm up. not discounting your NBA knowledge. I'm just saying I think this was a little sudden to all of us, was it not? Yeah, I mean. They, they were very vague about everything going on with the injury, just like everybody is these days. What's the trend? And then they're just like, okay, Draymond's back on the 14th. Do you think this is a little soon for him to be returning? Do you think he's, like, Draymond's mindset's always like, I'm going to come back and just fix shit. Do you think that's it? And he's returning too soon. This might be a re-injury of sorts. Honestly, I was thinking that a lot when I saw that he had his uh, first practice and he was talking about coming back. Yeah, I mean, just like we've been talking about Newsbrook not too long ago, his first practice, and then he was playing like three-on-three three and stuff. But it wasn't anything of significance of like, okay, he's playing five-on-five. Five and I don't know if they've taken the same precaution. I'm sure they have, but, you know, obviously Clay's injury was a lot longer, but there was no – there was no Draymond's going to Santa Cruz to play with the G League t- team a couple times. and If you saw Draymond Green going to the Santa Cruz Warriors, I don't know what I would do. That's well, I'm just saying, like, I think this is just very sudden, and I wouldn't be surprised if there was a re-injury. Well, like... <laughs> or, like, um, just load... I, I don't know if they would announce thing, it as a re-injury, but maybe just load more load management for Draymond. Yeah, stretch. like I said, he's going to start off with limited minutes, and I would bet he's, you know, there's some games that he rests but Draymond the one thing I will say is his play style is not one that is geared towards like oh he's got to get his rhythm going his 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 game is so IQ driven and instincts driven and just well, I think you I think he does just rely a lot on his feel though yeah but I think that's just a lot is a lot of its IQ and knowing their system so well you know yeah, and I think that's that's something that really doesn't go away. It's defense that's hard to get back. It's shooting with with it's shooting or playing offense with the hard defense of an actual NBA game. That's like so hard to adjust to. I don't really think it's for a guy like Draymond who knows this system like the back of his hand. That's not something he's gonna struggle with. I don't think that's the question though. The question is: Is he gonna be able to sustain his health throughout the end of the season going into the playoffs? I did, is, is like this, I said, I do think it was a little fast. However, the Warriors know not to. Um, I don't know if you remember this guy, Kevin Durant, that used to play for him, but they rushed him back a little too fast uh, from uh, a little a little injury he had in the playoffs. Yeah, and I, I, I heard up, about it. He ended up tearing something or something like that. Well, I, I mean, I'm kind of seeing this same plot. I think that they have learned their lesson, I, and I wouldn't be surprised if this was a recurring thing with Draymond. I would especially. Bet, it being a back injury, I wouldn't be surprised. I would bet Draymond is putting a lot of pressure on them to have him return as soon as possible. However, I could guarantee you we're going to see a hard, not hard, we're going to see a minutes restriction. And like I said, he'll be resting some games, which I think he will understand. I got another uh, warrior mogul to bring up. Mr. Thompson. Mr. Clay? Mr. Clay Thompson. Yeah, he's not uh, doing... So well. Stats this season, he's averaging 16 and a half a game, which is way down from years past. He's always been in the 20s. Three assists per game, four rebounds, which is pretty on par with what he's been doing. He's shooting under 40% from three, first time in his career. And um, I just think his his um, defensive ability is nowhere near where it was before the injury. And I think, um, I think people – kind of underestimated how hard it would be for him to return from a two-and-a-half-year-long uh, of him being out. and just, yeah. I don't know. 
how much longer it will take for him to return to himself or he just maybe will not return to his old form. Well, um, one thing that I do like the Warriors are doing is they're really letting him play through his mistakes. But, like, um, how long are they going to let him play through his mistakes before they give other guys the minutes, like Jordan Poole and Moses Moody has proven Mosey himself. Moody? Yeah. Jonathan Kaminga deserves minutes on this team. Mosey Moody. Like yeah, Mosey Moody. Yeah, him. Um, how long does it take? Well, one thing is for sure is that before the Draymond injury, they were not struggling so much. Um, and like we all know, we always, we always talk about the Draymond Steph two-man game. What about the Clay Draymond two-man game? And since since Draymond's been out, I would argue Clay struggled more than Curry, but we just talk about Curry more. So that's that's the thing we notice a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think once Draymond comes back, it's obviously going to be using the whole team, but it's going to help Clay a lot. And I do think that they keep rolling with you know Clay's you know downward str- stretch and keep letting him play their mistakes because come playoff time, if he's still playing like that, they're going to be taking him out. However, this stretch, you want to go all in on trying to get Clay back to decent. Mm-hmm. That way, come playoff time, he's a huge plus for you guys. Um, you know, watching that uh, amazing Lakers-Warriors game, LeBron James scores 56 points. Uh, Greatest of all time, Yeah, but by the way. One thing that I did not enjoy about that game was the uh, the Clay performance. He well, like, shot three for 13, one for five from three. Something we've never seen is people, like, pointing out Clay and being like, "Hey, he's not doing well." Well, no, like, "Hey, whoever uh, Clay is guarding, set a screen for me. He'll switch onto me, and I'll take him." Like LeBron was pointing out, like, "I want to, I want Clay." Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, um, Clay was uh, not a. Uh, Clay was pr- Clay was frustrated. You saw him to leaving. He's le- he left a uh, halftime early. He was. Very, very upset. He didn't shake anybody's hand after the game. It was really sad. It's really sad. Well, it's hard. Never see that. It's side hard of to be a player of his caliber, and then, you know, you come back expecting everything, and you're so excited to get back on the court, and then this is how you're playing. It's like, yeah, Clay is do. the. I'd say he is a player that historically has had the most fun possible on the court. Yeah. He enjoys the game the most, and it really it sucks seeing him struggle and hurt his enjoyment so we're gonna have to you know i'm gonna as a basketball fan i you know we all hope to see clay return to his final first you know the best he can be and i promise i'm you know what i'm making this statement breaking news again this is like the 10th breaking news from Cole. clay thompson will be shooting at least 38 percent from three point um in the playoffs 38 at least 38%. And I think he's shooting 38 right now, Cole. Is that right? It's like, I think it's like 35. Yeah, that 35 and 38 is a big difference in three-point shooting. Three. That's a big difference in three-point shooting. That's a big difference in three-point shooting. I didn't sound like that. It did sound like that. I'm predicting that Clay Thompson will be better in the playoffs. That's Hot my prediction. Take Hot take from Cole I know, Palmer. I know. I might get a little flack for this one. I think Clay Thompson will improve. Clay Thompson will be better. That's right. right. That is right. Clay Thompson three point percentage. Oh, jeez. Clay Thompson's 
plus minus in the past five games is not good. Minus five, minus ten. Oh, he had a plus eleven against Portland, but that they probably killed. Cole, he's shooting thirty-seven from three this year. One percent jump. You heard it here first, guys. Clay Thompson, one percent jump. Clay Thompson will see a one percent jump in three-point percentage come playoff time, and we all know the little things make the big things happen. Something as little as one percent can mean a big shot knockdown in crunch time to lead the Warriors to a W. Mike Breen on the call for that, maybe? We're going to hear some bangs when Clay Thompson gets the ball. bangs after Clay Thompson threes? That's right. All right. Um, next up, uh, we gotta, we're going to have to talk a little bit of Pelicans. Uh, but first, we got an ad read. Um, a lot of times when I talk to people, I'm like, hey, wonder what that word means. Never know what to do. They got this new thing out. It's called the Dictionary. The what? The dictionary. Have you ever dictionary. have you ever have you ever heard a word and you're like, I wonder what that means? All the time. Well, Webster's dictionary has got you covered. They have every single word in the English language written down with the definition right next to it. It's like all the information you could ever want at the palm of your at the, in the palm of your hands. All you gotta do is open up, it's listed alphabetically, every single word you ever heard. Someone's like, Oh, that was a that was an eloquent soliloquy. You're like, huh, I don't know what eloquent or soliloquy means. I'm going to go to the E section. Just ask Webster. <laughs> Sadly, Webster's not a person. However, he made a book for you with all the words. I thought I made it clear in that monologue. But all you got to do is go to the E section, go down to you find E-L, you'll find eloquent, and you'll read out the definition. And you'll be like, oh, the more you know. Boom. Shout out Webster's. Webster's Dictionary. If you got a word you want to find out the meaning to, just check it out. Okay, New Orleans Pelicans. After the, uh, at minimum, bold move they made at the deadline, getting C.J. McCollum to go all in on that ever-so-contentious 10th seed in the NBA. Are the, are the Pelicans going to be the first team to hang a play-in banner? I would almost guarantee. They <laughs> you think? <laughs> no, not actually. Um, but they've is, been, they've what, been playing really well. What does play in merch look like? Do they make it? <laughs> Pelicans play it. Pelicans. We're almost there. <laughs> um, but I mean, I think this is more than just going all in on making the play in. You know what I'm getting at here? Go ahead. This is. Zion Williamson, please, we are making efforts to win games. We're trying our absolute best. We need you, though, to make the next step. We want you really bad. Please don't leave. That's what this is. Am I wrong? Well, how do you feel about him not being on the season ticket newsletter? Have you heard about that? I did hear about that. That was not a good sign. However, I don't know if you heard, but he now is back in Nolens. I He's did, left Portland. I did hear, but did you also know that it was Mardi Gras? You don't think those two things are interconnected? <laughs> no. You don't think that time Zion is weird? doesn't overindulge in festivities and, oh, and, uh, right. and uh, you know, you know, refreshments. There's nothing Zion hates more than king cake. <laughs> no, Zion, dude, Zion wouldn't even know what to do if the delicacies of Mardi Gras were in his fingertips. He doesn't indulge in sweets or any think, kind of... I think people saw Zion come back to New Orleans and then didn't know it was for Mardi Gras, and I think he's back in Portland now, maybe. Are you, 
You're making that up, right? I'm making it up. I was about to say. It was a joke. Yeah, but for a team like the Pelicans, they're 5-5 five and five in the last 10, which is pretty damn good. And we are seeing very, very, very hard-playing basketball. Everyone's giving it their all every night, especially Herb Jones, who's given probably – he's probably going too hard. Um, yeah. But, I mean, Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum have actually worked very well together. Um CJ McCollum has been all that they expected and more, and he's really affected winning. Um, I mean, in their past five games, they've they've played everybody close, and they've won against some pretty decent teams in... Big win against Utah. In Utah? Absolutely killed the Lakers. I mean, that... I don't want to talk about that one. Absolutely killed the Kings as well, but I mean, who hasn't? But you have to beat those teams. Beat the red hot Phoenix Suns, all although without their two biggest stars. Yeah, still a good win. I mean, these are these are really good signs. Bad teams don't beat the teams they're supposed to beat. No, and they're playing close with. They they haven't gotten blown out since the CJ trade, and they're playing everybody close, and they're beating the teams they should beat. Yeah, I mean, dude. I don't think they're going to win the playoffs. I don't, I don't think they're going to get in the playoffs, but they're making a case here for Zion to stay. They're definitely taking the biggest steps they have taken since the, the Anthony Davis trade and the aftermath of that. And then, you know, uh, picking up a guy like CJ McCollum, just a seasoned vet and a guy that just knows his way around the league and knows how to win. You know, I think it's just a piece of... CJ like, McCollum knows how to win? Huh? CJ McCollum knows how to win? With the right pieces, yeah. I think I he's a winning player. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I just don't I really respect Portland the players has, a lot. Portland has horribly constructed rosters around him, but that's beside the point. I think he is a player that knows how to win and wants to win. He's he's made that clear on many cases. And then, um, All right. I got a question, though. All right. I'll answer it, maybe. Does Zion Williamson play a game this season? I think yes. There's there's 18, about 18 games left for most teams, maybe. That's right. That's a month and a half. Yeah. Not even. He started think. basketball activities, what, okay, that could mean, two and a half, three weeks ago? That could mean shooting jumpers from two feet. I don't think he plays this year. Really? I don't think so. Number one, the way that New Orleans has taken ridiculous precautions with his medical history. Number two, Zion really not having a huge want to play. Number three, they don't need him to get to play in at all. It's true, but... Because the four teams that are under them are just tanking. Yeah. Okay. I don't see it. Next question. This is a little on the, on the, end of the, on the other end of the spectrum here. Zion and Ja, Kevin Durant... And Greg Oden. Yes or no? No. No? No. I don't you can't you can't make that comparison right now. Okay, but presently you can't lie, the parallels are crazy. And I know I did just say Zion, I think we'll play again, but Greg Oden Greg Oden came back from his first injury. He did. Then he got injured again. The parallels are there, but I think parallels are extremely there. Zion's just out of this world athletically and just I don't Greg Oden was a physical specimen to be to behold. 
He was a different physical specimen. Greg Zion. Oden was the most dominant player in college basketball. So was Zion tenfold. Yeah. That's who we're comparing. But Zion Greg even, Oden had a very promising rookie year. Zion was even more dominant. Zion does more on the court. It's just it's I think Zion it's, weighs more. Touche. <laughs> Did Greg Oden ever break a shoe? Huh? Did Greg Oden ever go through a shoe? We don't know that. You're right, we don't. You know, with social media these days and you never TikTok know. and all that. Greg Oden definitely could have ripped through some Nike shocks back in the day. We just he don't totally know. He totally could have ripped through some shocks. Maybe some LeBron 1s. Some like LeBron Soldier 2s maybe. <laughs> I don't know, man. If if I'm a Pelicans fan, I'm, I'm very nervous about that. But I do think that they're going to – I think they're going to play it as conservative as possible. However, they, they want to see Zion out there. Just for the sake of, like, hopefully he stays. However, I they have a history of mishandling things. All I'm saying is their infrastructure is not good enough to oversee a specimen like him in this injury. His return is going to be very tumultuous. And Where'd you learn that one? Wordly-wise? Shut up. It was actually on Webster's. Look up a word today. Use code PAR for the court for 0% off. Because it's a free website. <laughs> yeah, but it's. I'm seeing. I'm. I'm. A, I'm leaning more towards the Greg Oden KD parallel than I guess you are. You're leaning way too far into that. It's a good thought, though. Maybe. It's, maybe send that one to ESPN for a first take segment. Probably already had that take. They probably. They did. probably already. I, I just we're gonna get. It. We're gonna get canceled for taking stuff from first take. So <laughs> it's been a. It's been a good couple episodes. We've already got Stephen A as our intro. We do have Stephen A as the intro. <laughs> I think he'd appreciate that, though. He probably would. Yeah. He'd be happy about it. All right. Uh, before we go, anything? Uh, anything you want to end off with? Or, uh, um, are we not going to talk winning time? Winning time. New yes, HBO that's Max a, show. I don't know if you guys know, but uh, HBO Max recently released a show. Um, it's a sitcom centered around. The beginning of the Showtime Lakers. The first episode came out on Sunday. Very, um, very good first episode. Very good. Uh, you saw Magic Johnson uh, get drafted to the Lakers. The, uh, that process. You also saw Jerry Buss buying the team. Jerry Buss being played by legendary actor John C. Riley. John C. Riley doing a great job with that role so far, by the way. Yeah. Um, as me and Chase uh, discussed often, Hollywood does not do a good job portraying basketball. Terrible job at portraying basketball. However, the on okay the on court stuff we saw wasn't great. Well, How, the the on court stuff looked like it was filmed like a high school gym, which kind of pissed me off. What? A lot of the B roll stuff. Oh, the B roll stuff, yeah. Which um, is kind of annoying, but like I guess budgetary wise, they have to do that maybe. Yeah, but the and we haven't we didn't see any five on five. Like you know, besides like little clips and highlights. Yeah, no I, real, no real. The, five the stuff on five I saw stuff. in the trailer looked good, but. This show was objectively good. Yeah, I mean, I think all the plot points are good, and it's just, it, I think it will be a good show, but it just, as as we've mentioned before, just, um, if pe- for the people that have seen it, the horrendous scene of Norm Nixon and Magic Johnson. Storm and Norman? Those two at the all-white party playing one-on-one, 
there's not many things that have pissed me off more recently than that scene. Yeah, as it begins, uh, Magic Johnson. This is this is the one thing that really got me. Magic Johnson did a a spin layup, and Norm no Nick, Norm Nixon's like, "Oh, okay, you got game, okay. huh?" Young, young Bucks got game, I guess. Okay, and then like Magic Johnson shoots a jumper and makes it. People are just like cheering. Yeah, no, that's the other thing. Every single dribble that either of them would make, everyone at the party would cheer. Like, ooh, ah, ooh. It's like, like there wasn't much basketball in the episode up until that point, but I really enjoyed the episode. There was great like historical callbacks and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then they got to that point. I was like, okay, here's Hollywood being Hollywood. Just like, oh, wait, this is a basketball show, right? Let's put basketball in it somehow. Yeah. Like breaking news, not all basketball players just play basketball. Like, do you think Magic Johnson and Norm Nixon are at an all-white party in the hills, and they're like, let's play basketball against each other? Hey, man, times were different, all right? We don't know. That could have happened. No. It, it could have happened. There's though. no shot. It could have happened. No. Uh, I also like the part in the scene when um, they guard each other for one play, and then Norm Nixon decided it was he actually should take off his what looked to be 20-pound fur that he was wearing in Los Angeles. Was, I think he said it was Fox poolside yeah yeah he's wearing a he's wearing a fox coat down to his ankles in la and it's poolside it's got to be june right it's around the, the draft like, around the draft time yeah yep. it's got to be june like that makes total sense <laughs> yeah um one thing i want to bring up the kareem casting amazing very good he looks exactly like him and i a lot of people forget kareem was an asshole Kareem was a legitimate asshole. Yeah. Um, I I recall the uh, the clip of Kareem punching uh, the one. Oh my God! Why am I forgetting his name? Uh, he punched the guy square in the face while the guy wasn't even looking and like broke his uh, cheekbone. Yeah, that's not cool. Not that cool. No. Um, not not nice. Yeah. Uh, the Magic Johnson casting. He's tall. He's athletic looking. Uh, his mannerisms are a lot like Magic. He's very smiley. Um, he's a fun. He's Fun guy. I'd like, I'd like him to look a little bit more magic-esque on the court, but, I mean, you can't always get what you want. It's true. Uh, I wish he would have uh, maybe gotten some reps in on Magic's very odd uh, one-handed jump shot. That's another thing that I saw in the episode that I didn't like at all. What? I feel like that's a pretty replicable form. Extremely. And also Larry. Maybe a, the Larry Bird thing was ha- t- terrible, but let me finish this point. I'm excited. No, I'm excited for some Larry stuff. That Larry Bird looked so bad. He looked like he was fresh off of, like, Trailer Park Boys. Yeah. But, like, I feel like that's a replicable form if you take a week, maybe. Mm-hmm. I feel like they could have hired maybe, like, Lethal Shooter to help with this. I don't think Magic Shot's very lethal, though. It's not lethal at all, but I think Lethal could have helped with the actor kind of forming that shot and, and having it in his arsenal. Okay, one thing I want to point out about Hollywood basketball in general. Okay, dance scenes, months of choreography go into it. Action scenes, hours of planning goes into it. Yep. Okay, um, horseback riding. People learn to horseback ride. If there's ever ice skating scenes, people months in advance get ready for ice skating. Exactly. Why don't why don't why don't we hear stories about people like undergoing basketball training with NBA trainers in order to learn skills so that they realistically can portray a basketball player? Yeah, every every basketball movie they're like, ah, we'll fix it in post. It's like no, like no, it's just no, it's no, clearly they, like this is bad. Well, it's also the fact that I, I assume NBA or, um, you know, Hollywood directors don't know what real basketball looked like. However, no. this is one of the curses of being 
high-level basketball players like ourselves, a lot of normal people – I'm not saying we're not normal people, but no. like people that aren't basketball guys, they don't see problems with it. And those movies aren't necessarily geared towards the top – five percent in the world of basketball players right and then we see it's not even like big picture things just like little things that the we little s- things that make the big things for instance yeah every single modern show you'll show a movie you'll see whenever someone's playing basketball everyone's got on full length tights nobody no wears, one wears them anymore nobody wears tights anymore. no one that wears them like- anymore Basket- it was like 2012 to 2016, and after that, it was kind of basketball out. fashion. Just like real world, is ever so changing. And just because you saw LeBron wear wear it in the 2013 finals, doesn't mean everyone's wearing it right now. Okay. Yeah. And not to mention, shorts—they're now shorter. Outfits aren't absurdly matching. It's it's like, I don't know, but. It's, Luckily, it's we didn't see that. In, uh, it's simple things that they can fix, and it's just small details that are just ridiculously bad. Which is why I, I, I call back to uh, Bill Simmons' idea of having a sports reference service for Hollywood you know, pictures. I think we're the two to hire with our experience choreographing High School Musical. Yeah, if you didn't know, me and, our high school days. me and Chase choreographed the middle school play musical of High School Musical Junior. Uh, I think we have the pedigree to work on a big picture such as such as HBO's Winning Time. Very good rendition, by the way. It was it was perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um, anything else you'd like to add? Um, I'm not excited for Jack Harlow and White Man Can't Jump too. What? Is that a thing? Yeah, I don't know if it's it's rumored. I, I mean, don't believe that. It's all over Instagram and Twitter. I don't know if it's been like officially officially announced, but if that's really a thing, I'm not excited. You don't am excited for? What? Adam Sandler's Hustle. If you haven't seen the trailer, I implore you, pause the podcast right now and watch it. But NBA, you're not... You, hold on. What was that face I have made? one thing that I'm a little... I have a, one reserve. What? What could it Why be? Why was there no lines from Wancho in the preview? I feel like that's a little bit alarming and uh kind of shows how bad his acting skill might be that's the only thing why weren't there any lines i'm not saying that there's not going to be great basketball because there's high level nba players in that movie but why didn't he have one line in the preview call that is a good point that i did not think about. why wasn't there one line it was adam sandler talking the whole time but it was mostly voiceovers there was a couple scenes. Yeah, but it was like quick hitters. Of Wancho just staring into the distance. I think it'll be a great movie overall, but I think okay. there's going to be a lot of cringe lines in that, like Reggie Miller had and uh, Uncle Drew. Okay, for those that don't know, Adam Sandler is like a talent scout for the NBA, and he's missed on a lot of his picks, and then he finds Juancho playing streetball. Juancho Hernan Gomez is presently an NBA player. He's on roster with the Boston Celtics. Is he still on the roster? Actually, shit, I think he, got, he just got moved. I don't think he But did. he's an NBA player, he's Latino, and he plays a star. And in the actual movie, it's all basketball players. It's a lot like Blue Chips, the way they casted it. They're all actual basketball players. In fact, they had tryouts to be even in the background of the movie. 
everyone that plays a role as a basketball player is an actual NBA player, which is a very good thing to see. Yeah. LeBron James executive produced it, and Adam Sandler, who we all know, every basketball takes his fan basketball very seriously, loves and respects Adam Sandler's love for hoops, and I trust him of all actors in the in in the industry to make a good basketball movie, as we saw him work with Kevin Garnett and do an amazing job with him. Not to mention, he did a lot of things helping Kevin Garnett's acting skills. I guarantee you he put the same time in with Juancho trying to get him ready for a role like this. I think Kevin Garnett's a lot more charismatic and a lot more media trained than You've Juancho. never talked to Juancho. By the way, Juancho, friend of a friend of the program. Just want to point that out. A lot like Aaron Neesmith. Go on. You had a little interaction with Juancho. I did, actually. For those, Celtics. for those who didn't know... Uh, I, I sat um, behind the Celtics bench for a Wizards-Celtics game, and I decided very early on to just target Juancho as, like, I was a big Juancho Hernan Gomez fan. Every single shot the Celtics would miss, I would yell how Juancho would have made that. Every single defensive stop the Celtics would not get, I would have said, Juancho would have got that stop. Juancho would have blocked it. Uh, I just really I, lobbying for Wancho to get. I minutes. garnered I garnered the support of my entire section, and I started a "We Want Wancho" chant in overtime. I might add, and I got Wancho to wave at me twice. Romeo Langford was looking up at me like I was an insane person because, not to mention, I'm a six ten guy. I was wearing EYBL stuff. Clearly, I was like of some sort of basketball past. He's like, why does this guy like Juancho so much? He's not Latino or anything. Like, why is he such a big fan? But I just made it clear that I thought Juancho was the best player in the gym. Romeo, Romeo, if you're listening, he is insane. <laughs> I'm okay. There's no, there's nothing left to wonder. He yeah. is insane. By yep. the way, Juancho now with the Utah Jazz. Love that move for him. Great move. Great move. I'm gonna make sure to pop out to a Wizards Jazz game in DC. To support my guy, and I'm sure Juancho will remember me as I guarantee no one else has ever shown that much love for Juancho Hernan Gomez during yeah. an NBA game. By the way, I wonder how he got that role. But that's that's a that's a question for the day. That is interesting. Alrighty, I think that's it. Well, as always, we appreciate you all for listening. Uh, make sure um, support our two sponsors. Uh, you ever need an actor? Uh, hey, yo, just call uh, Sylvester Stallone. You know. Hey. Hit the agent up or whatever. Call his agent or something. Hey, yo, you know. And if you need a word defined, Webster's. Webster's Dictionary. Alrighty. Thank you very much. uh, And we out. Peace. It's Born for the Court Podcast!